Okay, so we're back picking up immediately with the dull of hearing in 2 Timothy. How we cannot base our spiritual lives for the rest of our days on a decision that we made years ago and just, well, I guess I'm good now. That our deliverance, our salvation, our regeneration was only the beginning. It was only the foundation, cornerstone of a life in Jesus. It was not meant to be the chair we pull up and sit in for the rest of our days, but it was meant to only be the beginning of literally building and assembling a house that is our life upon the truth, upon the commands of God and His Word, upon the experiential encounter-based faith from faith to faith, And how I'm just convinced that this present generation is the dull of hearing generation. No one, few, few know what they believe and why. Now, I'm not talking about apologetics. I'm not talking about the crazy, what's his name, Ray Comfort. I'm not talking about that. Oh my goodness, if anybody's listening to this and thinks... Or wonders, like, was he talking about, like, uh, you know, how to defend your your Christianity and how to argue with an atheist? Oh, my gosh. You're talking about black and I'm talking about white, just to be clear. I'm talking about the Second Timothy charge to be ready in season and out of season, yes. But I'm not talking about how to stand up against an atheist and out-argue doctrinal positions with a non-believer. I'm sure not saying that. What I'm talking about is something that's within a man, something that's rooted and, and grounded to be the man in Scripture that's stable in all his ways, not being tossed about to and fro. Experiential and encounter-driven, but yet substance faith. A personal, experiential faith. I have seen God in my life. I know myself, and I have seen evidence of what I read and study and believe in the eternal Word of God. I have experienced that myself, and you can't convince me otherwise. That's what I'm talking about. And what I'm saying is, again, to connect to what I shared yesterday in the recording about uh, people walking away from the faith. I just really believe that that's one of the main breakdowns is that no one's been given the circumstances where they can properly express their struggle with believing. The church has been intolerant of questions for far too long. Because really, I mean, let's just say it how it is. It's either it's either the staunch, don't you dare question God. Don't you ask questions about his existence or any matter in the in the Bible that you don't understand because that's unbelief. 
We will not tolerate unbelief, right? There's either that camp or, hey, I don't care what you believe. I don't care. Who am I? What's absolute truth, really, right? Who knows? No one one knows. No one holds absolute truth. So I don't care what you believe. You don't have to understand what you believe, right? I mean, that's, that's really the two extreme camps that most everything seems to fall under. The intolerance of don't ask questions or the anything goes Christianity. But what about the middle? What about having a place where we maturely ask questions? and express our struggles and it doesn't it doesn't just completely remove us or disqualify our position in Jesus I mean let's just I mean I'm no bible scholar but I'm already thinking of the disciples in the bible who always wrestled with unbelief they always did that is the pattern of the scriptures. Even back in Old Testament days, when, when things that only Yahweh God spoke via the prophets or just by messengers or however it came, people often responded with, Are you serious? <laughs> Are you kidding? We know Thomas said, I believe God, Jesus, I believe. I do. But help my unbelief. You know, just the freedom to look Jesus in the face, if you will, and say, help my unbelief. It's okay. But I think, and I, and I remember, man, I think of a, of a band um, that I used to listen to. And it was a, a married couple. And, you know, a year ago, they, lo- they left the faith. They tried and tried. They were paid worship team people, had records and made good money and got, were given housing. And, but they had questions. They started having questions. And they went the path that everything seems to land in. That's true in, the, in just, like, current news is, like, I always had questions. I always had disbelief. I never really knew if God was real. And you can you can just follow this journey. I think that's why it's an appropriate description of leaving the faith. But I guess the question is what faith is being left? Was it a sound doctrine, biblical faith to begin with? I don't know. I don't know the heart of man. I'm just asking the question. That couple that was in the band, like, they had the typical story. They started expressing concern and questions, unrest with their belief and what they saw, and as is the case most often, what they read in the Bible was not what they saw in the church. And so when they brought up any questions, they were ridiculed. 
They were condemned. They were pushed away. They were mocked. How dare you? How dare you ask questions about that? How dare your faith be so low? We believe in God here. And it pushes out. And it pushes away. I've seen it with my friend that I referenced yesterday. He was broken and hurt and and riddled with guilt and shame. Pushed out. Siding with the enemy's accusations. The accuser of the brethren, y'all. If we, the church, the body of Christ, are not walking in a familial servanthood relationship, arm in arm with our brothers, loving them as ourselves, we will side with the accuser of the brethren. We will take his opinion on matters. Why? Because it's very possible we're in an age where we're not enduring sound doctrine and we just want to tickle our own ears and those of others. And if something comes in and throws that off, no, we're not going to tolerate that here. Get out. There's disagreement here. And we do not have this. There's no disunity in the body. It's seen as an infection. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't need faced. I'm not saying, and maybe that's the point, is it's not faced, it's just run off. Or it's run away from whichever side you may fall on. It's not dealt with in maturity, in dependence upon God. And as I shared two years ago, because I learned it firsthand with a brother here who I'm closer with than anybody else on the planet outside of my own family, is until we disagree, until there's disunity in our relationship, we don't need the unity of the Spirit. We don't need the help of the Holy Spirit in that way, in that relational matter, until we disagree, until we're in disunity. And so when disunity and disagreement comes and that is shunned and either pushed out or walked away from, leaving the faith, there's not even opportunity for the living Spirit of God to perform its work. We don't allow ourselves in endurance and tolerance, rightful tolerance, for God himself to even do the work he came to accomplish in men. We push men out and we remove ourselves. We do not endure together. We don't give God the opportunity to build faith in us relationally with others because of the tension, the disagreement The wavering, the error, that's within every single one of us. And so we isolate these people who are questioning their faith and we demonize them. And of course, their response is, I can't do this. This confirms, <laughs> this confirms the accusations in my heart. 
This confirms what I was already feeling that I would say is planted there by the accuser of the brethren to divide and remove people from the faith. It's quite successful, yet quite simple, I would say. It's the divide and conquer approach that originated in the garden. If I can just remove the truth between man and God, says the accuser of the brethren, everything else will crumble from there and kind of take care of itself. It will kind of be like a scientific experiment where once you start a chain of events takes care of itself from then on. It just becomes the outflow of an act. If I can disconnect sound doctrine between God and men, the rest is just going to take care of itself. Mankind and their true purpose it will just kind of disintegrate on its own. It will just be a product of the division. And so that's why I'm convinced, again, we're in the dull of hearing condition. So what then? I shared this with the brothers a couple weeks back. So what now? What do we do then? Sound doctrine doesn't do it. We're foretold that. Sound doctrine will no longer be a means of accomplishing its purpose. We have, to, we have to face that reality. If sound doctrine is removed from the recipe of preaching the kingdom, what will do it? We know that the kingdom will be declared until the end of the age, we know that. We know that the narrow way will continue to be found by all of men until the culmination of the ages. We know that's true. God will pour out His Spirit upon all flesh in the latter days. Okay, well, let's just take those two, and I hadn't thought about that in that exact context, but let's put that Joel prophecy along with the Second Timothy prophecy. We're told there will come a day, there will come an age where men will no longer endure sound doctrine. They will become dull of hearing. Okay? And we're also told there will come a day that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Okay, well, are we giving ourselves to those, let's just pick out those two predictions? What do we do with those? Can we not say and see the necessity of those two realities being put together? I would say in great summary, and again I shared this a couple weeks ago, I would say that the tangible faith of men who are in God hidden with Christ Jesus in Him, in God, who have ascended and gone into the holy hill of God, full of a 
substance-based faith, an experiential encounter, I know God, life, the Saul to Paul encounter reality where no one can convince me that this is not real. I would say those men will be the means of the kingdom being preached, if you will, on the earth in these last days. Looking at these authors, these pastors, these teachers, these everyday men and women who tried their hardest to be believers but just couldn't quite pull it off, until they see something, someone real, I don't believe there's any chance for them. I don't believe there's any hope. I don't believe there's any hope for this generation on this earth in 2019 to just hear a truth and base the rest of their lives on a, on a simple, sound doctrine. Because if that scripture is true, and all we can say for absolute assurance is that day is coming if it is not yet already here, which again I said I'm convinced is, that day, whenever it should come, if it's not here already, that says that the sound doctrine teaching will no longer do its function because there are no ears to hear it anymore. If it's not here already, then that day that will come will be a day when ears are literally incapable of hearing the truth. And so God has given us, when he created mankind, he's given us senses. He's given us senses. And y'all listen to this. I, th I think this is what, I think there's, I would say in humility, there's something of great truth to about, to about to come out of my mouth. May the Lord speak to me and to all of us listening. If this is true, and if what I'm convinced is an outpouring of his spirit in man in the latter days because people are dull of hearing and a sound doctrine message will not accomplish its purpose any longer. And people have to know God. They have to meet God, encounter God, experience God by seeing him in another which is the pattern of Jesus Christ, which is the firstborn of many reality, which is the greater things than these you will do promise. God, Emmanuel, in flesh and bone bodies, His church, everyday men like me and you regenerated into His likeness, that will be the means of people encountering Yahweh God. And here's the thing that I think is profound that we, I pray we understand, myself included. Could it be that that is why this present 
Christian culture is so experience-driven. Pretty much, pretty much gone are the days of preaching and teaching, for the most part. Sermons are 16 minutes long. Preachers are in skinny jeans and t-shirts with 14-inch 1980s plastic glasses just because they think that looks cool. They're just everyday hip guys, man. I'm just like you, brother. Hey, I watch the same movies. I listen to the same music. I like the same clothes. Brother, I'm just like you. Amen. I'm free in Jesus. That, let's just, let's just go to God together. However, I'm telling y'all, there's something within this that we, we have got to get. I believe this is what the Spirit's saying to the churches today. We've got to be careful and cautious and alert to this sensational, encounter-based Christianity that is prevailing in the church today, which basically says, they would never say it, I know, but it seems the message that goes out is, you know what, be you, discover yourself, be you, but let's just come together and exuberantly worship Jesus together. Let's just be loud. Let's just be exuberant. Let's just encounter him. And that will carry us through absolutely every single thing that we face in our life. Let's just be free and worship Jesus and constantly talk about how much he loves us. I would say that the deception of what I would say the age we're in now, where there, we have become dull of hearing, and there is no sound doctrine, the tickling of the ears is absolutely present. And the only way men are going to find God, which is through experiential encounter of a substance-based faith, that they will see in another human being being displayed in their life is being mimicked by goosebumps and feelings and emotion. It would not take more than mere seconds to find videos of people who feel the presence of God right now. Young people all over large gatherings and, and primarily megachurch encounter God all the time. And I'm not going to say they're not. I don't know. I don't know what it is they're feeling. I don't know what it is they're encountering. I believe there's a lot of false emotion, a lot of hyped up. We're going, we have created a formula to move people. I think that's the majority of what people are feeling, but they're juvenile and don't understand, and they just want to know God so bad, they're going to take that and run with it. Why? 
because it's a tickling of the ears. It's an agreement that, you know what, you're okay, you're okay, you're okay, you're okay, you're okay. And so here comes the accuser of the brethren, and Brother Jason says, I'm not okay. I'm wrestling with unbelief. I've been in the church my whole life. My dad's a pastor. My brother's a missionary. But you know what? I'm thinking about leaving my wife and leaving the church. And one of two things are going to happen. Primarily. Jason is either going to be told to leave because he's an unbeliever and that's not tolerated. Or he's just going to be told... It's okay, brother. It's okay. I'll pray for you. And nothing changes for Jason. Nobody mature is around to take Jason aside and intercede with him to encounter God for himself so that he knows that he knows that he knows himself. And so Jason starts missing church services, stops going to Bible studies. One week, two weeks, two months, six months, a year. Hey, have you seen Jason? No, have you? I need to call him. Yeah, me too. I need to call him. I ran into him at Target the other day, but he just seemed really, I don't know, he seemed angry or something. He was acting weird. Oh, man. Oh, that's strange. You remember last time we talked, he was... He was starting to doubt if God was even real. Oh, man, that's true. I forgot about that. I bet that's what's wrong. I heard he's leaving his, I heard he might leave his wife. That brother's got problems. Another week, another month. Where's Jason? Man, I don't know. I heard he left the faith. Can you believe that? He used to teach Bible study. So sad. Yep, sure is. That's sad. Sure glad we know Jesus. Me too, brother. Let's go to service. Right? That may sound funny, but y'all, that's our Christianity today. And another casualty on the field of the church. Disgruntled, hurt, deceived, Abandoned. What do we do with that? What do I do with my friend who walked away from the church that way? And rightly so. Can we not just say that? It's time for somebody to stand up and say we have to change. Let's just face the facts that people are dull of hearing. They will not hear. So we must be a people full of the Spirit. Spiritual men. A spiritual man doesn't need to be a preacher. 
The greatest preacher of all times was Paul. And it had nothing to do with his ability. It had to do with his experiential, encounter-based faith in Christ Jesus, whom he met. His teachings has perpetuated the gospel for thousands of years. It's more than just a message. It's our lives. And so if I look just like everybody else, and if I talk just like everyone else, and if I listen to what everyone else listens to, and go to movies like everybody else listens to, watches, excuse me, if I am just like everyone else, why in the world would anyone want to peer into my life and see anything that they lack? Or anything that they would need to add to their life? That's why the relevant church is a dead church. The relevant church is a dead church. Friends, it's dead. The relevant outreach ministry of the church perpetuates death. We must be a people of substance. Someone should be able to look at my life and see God. They should see Him. I was going to talk about this and something else, and I need to wrap this up, but I'm just going to throw this out there, and then I'll, I'll elaborate on it in much greater length later. I cannot shake the stuff when I read Old Testament things about I was going back to a year ago last week, I spoke this message about um, Uzzah trying to catch the Ark of the Covenant when it was falling off of the cart, and he was struck dead, and I taught on that a year ago. I think I recorded it, I don't know. But when that Ark came into a city, when that Ark came into a people, the neighboring cities knew that the Ark of the Covenant had come. We are historically told, I believe it's historical and not just some Bible story, that when the Ark came into whatever town, when the Ark came into the suburb of Chicago, the inhabitants of Chicago heard the people making a noise. They heard something. They heard natural people express themselves over the arrival of the Ark of the Covenant. And as they examined what was going on down there in the suburb, this is what Scripture says they said. I'll paraphrase Joel's translation. Oh my goodness, God has come to the suburbs. 
Do we understand that, people? Is your life like that? Mine is not. That was an Old Testament yet natural example of when, when the ark of God, which back then was God himself coming into a land, he, his presence was literally indwelling a box. The people rejoiced so greatly that neighboring cities heard and knew God has come. God is over that mountain. And they trembled in fear. And I'm just asking, where in the world is the embodiment of God on the earth like that today? Where men and principalities and powers tremble because oh my gosh God himself is within that temple that body of a man that body of a gathered people and in in closing I would say that my friends is God pouring out His Spirit on the earth in the last days because people will have and have already grown dull of hearing and they will not listen to, entertain, endure sound doctrine. That is why we must possess a faith of substance. A faith of experiential encounter so that people quit falling away so that people quit walking away and we just say well that's the way it is that's the way it is ho-hum nobody wants to know God anymore oh well good thing I'm Good thing I'm eternally secure. No. May we be grieved when we read national stories and headlines. I'm telling y'all, I opened it a couple days ago when that story broke nationally, and there were thousands of comments about people saying, this is so awesome. Finally, someone else who's woken up who's discovered themselves. It was this rejoicing by ex-believers. Others who identified with this author and said, oh, I'm so glad. It brings me such joy to hear someone else has found freedom. May we be grieved, church. May we be grieved, that the accuser of the brethren is having his way and we're siding with him. We have to examine our ways. God, forgive us. We're ignorant. 
We know not what we do. Help us, God. We turn, Lord, help your church to repent of her ways. This is the humbling ourselves and praying. This is the only hope for a people to turn to God. This is the only way. God, help us in this hour. I'm convinced we are in that age today. May we be a spiritual people. And that we might know what the Spirit is saying to your church in this hour. Amen.